Before we get going, uh, I just want to add an update to Christine's announcement. Dave texted me, and his office is available for all the glitter crafts. Um, and so uh, Dave is just, he's so accommodating and hospitable. Thank you, Dave. That, I mean, he is the pastor for all people. It's just, we are so blessed to have him. Um, and I'm probably going to pay for this later. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can sing those words. That we can have hope forevermore because Christ is ours forevermore and we are yours. And um, Lord, we long for the day when there's a new heavens and a new earth, and we are in that great city with You, and Father, You wipe every tear from our eyes. When death and dying are no more, and and weeping is no more, and You, as our Heavenly Father, wipe our tears. And Lord, as we long for that, as we rejoice in singing as we just have, that our hope is sure, Lord, would you protect us from getting consumed with this world? from getting consumed with things that are temporary, with getting consumed with things that are eaten by moths and destroyed by rust. Lord, fix our passion and our desires on You. And Lord, would the reality of eternity be ever in front of us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. When, uh, when I put together a trip to the Boundary Waters, um, there's a lot of planning that goes into the various aspects of the trip. We, we plan the time of the year. What, what kind of water temperatures will there be? What kind of fish bite will we have? We research the lakes uh, for, that we want to camp on for what kind of fish live in that lake. Uh, and so if it's a, a lake that, that has just trout, I've learned to avoid that in the summer because you won't catch anything. Um, but if, uh, if it's a lake that has species that are favorable that time of year, the fishing has a better chance of being good. So we, we plan that. Uh, we, we even research what campsites are on that given lake for where we want to check first for availability. We, we look at all these things. Uh, and then there comes a point in the planning that, that comes down to mostly me, and that's the menu. And I go grocery shopping, and I look for what will fit in a bag easily, because all the food goes in one bag. Uh, and I also, I try to plan for what will be a nice treat in the middle of the week. And I try and hide some things in the food bag from time to time, like a big bag of bacon crumbles that can just be used on all kinds of things. And uh, a couple years ago, we had a September trip to the Boundary Waters. Beautiful. Might be my favorite time of the year I've ever gone. 
And I, in planning for that trip, I was at the grocery store thinking through, okay, what, what can I cook with just adding water uh, and, and maybe some Crisco? Because uh, you know health is a thing. Um, and, and what will taste good and what will be a nice treat? And as I'm walking down the aisle, I saw it. And it was like the, it was a moment, like the, the light from the sky. There was a chorus of, of, of angels singing in a major chord. Just, ah, you know, is that. And it was Velveeta shells and cheese. And, and I thought, I know the route we're doing. We have a day where we're going to have two portages that are a mile each. And those shells and cheese are going to cap off the day remarkably well, especially when we add into them the bacon crumbles. This was going to be a backwoods three Michelin star meal. It was, it was going to be phenomenal. So we are, there we are. It's, it's Wednesday. We're traveling from one lake to the other. We've just finished our first portage. It was a mile long. It had some steep terrain. And, and all I could think was shells and cheese, shells and cheese. Like, this is getting me through the day. It gets done with that porridge. I'm like, boys, you know what we're having for supper tonight? We're having shells and cheese with bacon crumbles. It was like the collective drool created a whole nother lake in Minnesota. We were so excited. I don't know if they were really that excited. I was excited. I was like floating on the portages with shells and cheese and the uh, not yet smell of them carrying me along. And then we, we get done with our second mile-long portage, a few other short portages, and then we have about a two-mile paddle to our campsite. And we get there, and we set up. We have an afternoon dip in the September northern Minnesota waters, which were brisk. <laughs> and we start making supper. I get out the shell. I'm like a kid on Christmas that day. I get out the shells and cheese. I, I look. We make sure we measure the water. We get it boiling. We put in the pasta. We stir it around so it doesn't burn on the bottom. The pasta's just right. Now, there, when you pack for the boundary waters, there's this fine line between having what you need and carrying too much junk. And so you make decisions. And you, you think of what you need and what you don't need. And, and usually with every trip, there's something you realize you didn't need once you get there. Um, there wasn't room in the bag for a, a strainer. One of the greatest, the most common injury while camping is burns from water. And so we were being very careful. How do we, you know... There's a hot pan with boiling hot water. We have limited pot holders. We don't have a strainer, so we, we have this coordinated effort of holding the lid on and tipping the pot. I'm not going to tell you, nor probably should I tell you, the exact thoughts that went through my mind as the pasta hit the forest floor. But I do know that cheap pasta and pine bark and pine needles form a chemical bond that cannot be separated. <laughs> Silence fell on the camp. And that's probably the one major mistake I've made while camping that no one's really teased me about, because 
But I knew my plans would not reach fruition, and it was a bit devastating that night. We all make plans for ourselves, and we make plans with ourselves in mind. We make plans for our careers, for our education, for where we're going to live, for our vacations. We make plans for our children. We make plans for our parents. We make plans for our cars. And oftentimes we make those plans as though we are the ones who are in control. And we get attached to our plans. And we make our plans almost as though they've already happened. And there's a difficulty felt when our plans, even good plans, even Velveeta shells and cheese plans fall apart. When they fall apart, there's a a realization that happens. And it it comes in, in a couple of ways. The first way is that we are not in control. And when big plans fall apart, that I am not in control is devastating. And we assume that the other part is that our plans were for us. And if this didn't work out for me, then what will? And there's a selfishness that can come with it. And us being people who have a propensity to make plans for ourselves, James, in chapter 4, he says this. And he says it in the form of a bit of, there's a bit of a rebuke to it. He's calling out a sinfulness that can accompany the process of making plans for our future. He says in verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He goes on to say, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. James urges the believers he's writing to, he urges us to see how temporary we are and how great God is. It's a call to have an eye on eternity when making our plans. And when we make our plans with an eye on eternity, two things happen. These are are two observations I see in what James says. Two things happen. The first is we recognize the brevity of our earthly lifespan. We realize how short life really is. I find it interesting. You know, one of the benefits of being in an intergenerational church uh, is I find it, we get talked to a lot of people from a lot of stages of life. And as I talk to young people, There's this eye on the future as though all these things, man, 40 feels so far off. Retirement feels so far off. And then I talk to people at the other end, this life has been so short. These years have gone so fast. I can't believe it was that long ago I had kids in my house or I I was newly married or whatever the case may be. And as we see the brevity of our earthly lifespan, there's a call for humility. 
It's pretty easy to think a lot about ourselves. I mean, we build things. We cure illnesses as people. We uncover knowledge through scientific research. We climb mountains, compete in endurance races. We do what no other creature on earth is capable of. We went to the moon more than once. We send things to Mars. And we raise children who eat Tide Pods. So there's like a give and take to this. But either way, as phenomenal as we may think we are, and how great we may think it is that our life expectancy is climbing, James says this, he goes, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. You have planned out the next several decades of your life, and you don't know what tomorrow will bring. There's not a single person in this room who can't have their life changed by one phone call. Or in what happened with our dear brother, Pastor Philip, with one email. There's not a single one of us who's guaranteed tomorrow. And we go on proclaiming our plans as though we are a king. And James says, you don't know tomorrow. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This is James' come on man moment. He's calling out, who do you think you are? You're a vapor. Hosea 13.3 says, your mist that's gone, your dew that evaporates, your chaff that blows away, your smoke that goes out the window, and that's just one verse of the Bible. Psalm 103 says that we're grass that, that withers, we're a flower that fades. As you make your plans, remember that you're like a spritz of, out of an aerosol can except that you don't damage the ozone layer. Like you, but you're gone that quick. That's your life. We're not as impressive as we think we are. And as we realize how temporary our life on earth is, we need to realize this is not our final destination. Your earthly retirement is not your final destination. It's, it should not be your ultimate goal. You are more transient than you think. But we make plans, and we all do this, I do this, we make plans in such a way that suggests that we're the point of it all. I'm going to build my version of a castle. I'm going to build my version of an earthly paradise. And I'm going to spend as much time there as I can for my own pleasure. But I'm only a mist that vanishes. And instead of viewing ourselves as the point of it all, we need to view ourselves in light of who God is. I, if you would, if you don't mind, flip over to Psalm 90 with me. I'm going to read the first six verses. We're going, to, we're going to be back and forth with this a little bit. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or even you had formed the earth and the world 
Before Genesis 1-1, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night. A thousand years in the sight of God just goes by as to what we would feel as a few hours. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. Like grass that is renewed in the morning. And in the morning it flourishes and is renewed. And in the evening it fades and is withered. We are like a dream. God, before the world began, is everlasting to everlasting. And who are we in comparison? The best depiction in this passage is grass. This, is, this begs for a motivational poster. We just we flourish and then we fade. When we make plans, when we think of what's ahead of us, not knowing tomorrow, knowing that we are a vapor, we need to recognize our need exceeds our ability. Our need, and whatever those plans are, especially as we think of what's going to last, our need exceeds our ability. And when we look at who God is, and we look at who we are, and we see ourselves not compared to other people, not compared to previous generations, but compared to God Himself, we need to be humbled. And we see our great need of God. And we see our need for wisdom. I don't know enough. I have a need for wisdom. When I, when I see eternity in this need for wisdom, I don't know enough to be my own king and my own counselor. You're not qualified to be the king or queen of your own life. We don't have the right vantage point. We can't see enough. Our time on earth is a blip. We need words. We need wisdom from the God who created this all. From the God who's been here before. We need to plan longer. We need wisdom to plan longer. I want you to imagine this rope is your life, okay? Like this, it just goes on and on. Uh, it just, just imagine this has no end. The beginning date, this is when you were born. Doctor spanked you. You started crying. Your parents were so happy. And, and that's where it starts. And it goes on and on and on. And the white part, that white tape, that's your time on earth. Okay, so think about this. You know, right about, right about here, you, you start kindergarten. You're in school till about here. And then you, you go and get a career of some kind. And your career goes to about here, and all that time, you're saving up money to enjoy this. I mean, some of you joke, like, you know, I'm not going to be around much longer. I've started telling people when I turn 85, for my 85th birthday, I'm going bull riding. Because I just want to, 
I just want to get to heaven at that point. Um, but we, we spend all of this time preparing for this as though this is what matters. And then we forget the eternity. And we forget all that follows. And when we look at all of this, this doesn't seem as much anymore. And the longer this gets, the shorter this appears. And so when we make our plans, when we're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this next year, I'm going to do this next year, as we make those plans, and it's not wrong to make plans. It's not wrong to plan for retirement. In fact, it's wise to do that. But as you do that, can you remember this? Can you remember the rest of the rope? Can you invest in this line that just keeps going and going and going? We need wisdom as we think of this for what's important. To prioritize things. There's so many parts of your life that if you don't plan it, it won't happen. Right? If it doesn't make it onto my phone, I'm going to forget that the conversation ever happened. That, it's just the way it is. So how do we prioritize those eternal things that are going to go longer and longer and longer and plan for those things? How do those make it into our calendar? How do those make it into our priorities? What are we scheduling for? And we need wisdom in this. We need God's wisdom to prioritize what's most important. We need God's wisdom to invest in the best things so that we don't sell ourselves short of the greatest things because we had just a sweet timeshare we couldn't pass up. So we don't miss out on what God wants because we are too busy chasing our own fickle happiness and self-fulfillment. Your self-fulfillment and temporary things will never satisfy your eternal soul. Your soul will get a taste of it and say, no, I, I'm looking for something better. You need wisdom for that. We need wisdom to put on hold what seems good for what's great. Our true eternal God and His joy would be the object of our pursuits. Later in Psalm 90, verse 14, the psalmist, viewing his life as so temporary and viewing God as eternal, says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years as we have seen evil, make us glad. Make us glad in you instead of in the world. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. God, would you give us wisdom as we make plans in light of eternity so we recognize the brevity of our earthly life. It brings about humility Hopefully it gives us a thirst for wisdom in these eternal matters. And the second thing is we see the grandeur of God's sovereignty. So, so James's advice, you are a mist that appears for a little time then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. 
If the Lord wills is not a cliche. Please don't treat it like a cliche. It is a recognition. When we say, if the Lord wills, in all sincerity, we make a statement about submission. Submission to his sovereignty, submission to the reality that his ways, that his thoughts are higher than ours, as high as the heavens are above the earth. His ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And even in a subtle way, it asks God to intervene if we're going astray. If the Lord wills, there's a whisper in our soul that says, God, if this isn't your will, would you redirect me so quickly? Would you turn me around faster than I can? Turn myself. So we need to say the Lord wills. But what does saying the Lord's will do for us? I believe when we, when we say, if the Lord wills, dot, 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 I think that gives us a sense of peace. Because the pressure's off. If the Lord wills, God is in control. The universe is not mine to fix. The job of making the universe and this world right is not mine to fix. The job of providing for my future ultimately relies on God. Yes, I bear responsibility, but He's sovereign over it. The old song, This is my Father's world, oh let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King, let heavens ring, my God reigns, let the earth be glad. This life is really hard. This week I had a couple opportunities. I hope to have several more over the coming year to sit with Pastor Philip and his family as they lost their son Matthias. And at the funeral, Philip and his family are in the front row. Matthias's casket is right in front of them. And they sang. Philip and his wife were singing to God with their son in a casket in front of them. Because this is their father's world. The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. The sovereignty of God is a source of peace. That all of this, as hard as it is, is under the control and according to the plan of God. He is on the throne. So the pressure is off, and we also realize the source of peace comes from the realization we're not the point. God is the point. And instead of chasing our own happiness that will never satisfy us, we are allowed to rest in the love of God that He has for us. Our hearts were made for Him, not ourselves. And when our hearts surrender to Him, the peace from that can transcend understanding. And as much as our surroundings change, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
in the worldly uncertainty, in the loss that we experience, in all the relationship changes. Even in a marriage that lasts 50 years, there's relationship changes. As you have kids, as you go through empty nests, as you go into retirement, your relationship will change all the time. God is the constant. Culture doesn't change him. He stays the same. We also get from him, from seeing his grandeur, looking for his grandeur and his sovereignty, a sense of purpose. Because God in his sovereignty, who knew us before we were born, who was God before he created the earth, he brought us into his family. And he brought us into his work that people would come to know Him, that the poor would be cared for, that the stranger would have a table, that we could disciple one another to help those who don't know Him to know Him or to help those who do already know Him to know Him better. And so think of this as you make plans that God has brought you into His work and how does His work Involve you. As you put God's priorities into your calendar, is there a spot on your calendar to go to your neighbor's house or to have your neighbor over to your house? Is there a spot on your calendar to welcome the immigrant? Is there a spot on your calendar to care for the poor? Is there a spot on your calendar just to open your Bible and pray every day? And abide in Him. Our meaning and our sense of purpose comes from our Creator, not our abilities, not our potential. Your meaning was cemented the moment you placed your faith in Christ and you became a child of God. And living out your meaning and living out your identity is your purpose. But your worth is already cemented. And there's a, there's a chance as we see the vapor that we're like, well, I'm no good. What can I do? One thing I learned this week, as I heard a lot of people share about Matthias, is that it only takes a very short amount of time, in his case 22 years, to create eternal ripples. To tell people of God's great love for them to draw them to Him, to help them walk with Him, to care for others. It only takes a small amount of time combined with God's infinite power to make an eternal difference. And as you think, about what does it mean for me to plan as the Lord wills, knowing I'm a vapor? What does it mean for me to do this? I want you to think about the amount of time. Think for a moment. How much time you put into thinking about and planning for your career? How much time, and if you're retired, how much time did you put into it? How much time did you put into your education and planning your education? How much time do you, did you pour into, if you were involved with one, into planning for and preparing for the team you were a part of? Or your next vacation? And none of these things are bad to plan about. 
But how can you plan about the about things as the Lord cares about them? How can you put prayer to these things? How can you plan to talk with your neighbor? How can you plan to be involved in whatever ministry is happening through Westchester? Maybe, maybe that plan is to be a part of Highland Park Community Church for the rest of the calendar year. Maybe longer. Maybe that plan is to, instead of a vacation, use that time to serve the Lord somewhere. Perhaps your own neighborhood. Maybe that, that plan is making plans in how you parent your kids or grandparent your grandchildren and pointing them towards the Lord. Ask God for direction in these things. Use the body of Christ to confirm that direction. Let God's people speak into you on these things. And while making plans about your career, about your vacations, about your retirement, whatever it is, know that those plans, with God's infinite power, can have eternal ripples. And know that there's the rest of the line there. So that as you say, as the Lord wills, you're praying for and planning for things that He really cares about and things you want to see Him do. Let's pray. Father, You've put eternity into our hearts and minds. Because You made us in Your likeness. And so, Lord, ever fix our eyes and our minds and our hearts on You. Let us not be too easily satisfied. Lord, give us the wisdom to plan with eternity in mind. You are the eternal God. And you love us and walk with us. And we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.